Hello again, and welcome to the PSD Cast with your host, Jason Lumberg at Power Systems Design. Now, I think most of us have heard the hype about quantum, quantum dots for a while now, mainly by way of quantum dot LED TVs, but these tiny semiconductor particles could also find their way into solar cells, diode lasers, quantum computing, commercial and consumer lighting, and a lot more. And at Lightfair 2019, Osram showed off the world's first quantum dot LED brought to market. Pretty exciting, to say the least. And when I saw Osram's booth and the quantum dot exhibit, I just knew I had to learn more. And with that, it's my distinct pleasure to introduce Dr. Anita Curtin, Director of Materials Research at Osram Opto Semiconductors. Dr. Curtin, welcome to the show. And Let's start from square one. I, I touched on the various quantum dot applications in my intro, but why are quantum dots such a great supplement to LEDs? So the reason why quantum dots are a great supplement to LEDs is that in order to generate a nice warm white high CRI output, um, LEDs have to use phosphors which are rich in the red. So your eye needs to have that red component in order to see a warm white. Um, and phosphors are great materials, but one of the things that they're not good at is producing a single color with a very rich content. So the, the wavelength of the phosphor can hit the red, but the uh, peak is very wide. So what happens is that you waste energy. You have the red, but you also have the near IR, and, and that wastes energy for the white LED. So the nice thing about quantum dots is they have a very pure color. They have a very narrow emission peak. And so when you replace the red phosphor with a red quantum dot, then you essentially gain efficiency. So you can have a very high efficiency warm white with lots of red content by using quantum dots. Right, right. That sounds good. So when you do apply them, how do quantum dots affect the LED manufacturing process? Well, you mentioned that most people know quantum dots from display products, and in that scenario, what the quantum dot manufacturers have done is essentially um, put the quantum dots into a layer that wasn't there before in the TV, so they're creating a layer of quantum dots that's protected by um, a film, and then that whole layer with the film is inserted into a TV. Um, we realized when we were working on quantum dots for LEDs that that approach just wasn't going to work. We couldn't use some kind of an external um, protective layer in order to protect the quantum dots. So what we've been working on for the last seven years or so is a way to insert the quantum dots into the manufacturing process without any other changes. And what we did was we developed an encapsulation layer for the quantum dots themselves, which is applied at the level of the material. So essentially, by the end of that process, we have a powder that looks very much like a phosphor, and it is just inserted into the LED manufacturing process with no other changes. So these LEDs are made exactly the same way as phosphor-only LEDs, um, but they contain quantum dots. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you sort of mentioned this a little bit already, but could you describe how quantum dots interact with LED lights specifically? What, what determines the color of the light that gets re-emitted? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so quantum dots are a luminescent material, so that means they absorb light and then they re-emit that light at a pretty high um, efficiency. So you can get that re-emission to happen close to 100% efficiency. Um, and the reason why they do that is quantum dots are based on a semiconductor. Usually the semiconductor emits a color of light that's equal to its band gap. So essentially it has one fixed emission color. Um, quantum dots are that semiconductor that's, that's shrunk 
down to a nanometer scale, so somewhere between 1 nanometer and 10 nanometers. Um, and by doing that, you actually cause the band gap to change with size. So when you take that semiconductor that has a band gap at a fixed number and you shrink it down to roughly the nanometer size range, then the color of the emission depends on the size. So if you have a particle that's about 3 nanometers, you might emit blue. If you have a particle that's 10 nanometers, it might emit red. And it depends on the material that you're, the semiconductor that you're using, but it's very, very tunable. Um, so those quantum dots absorb high energy light, which is the blue LED, and then they re-emit that light according to their size. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, again, you know, in a general sense, um, I, I mentioned that I, I, I've seen quantum dots. I think, I, I think a, lot of, a lot of us have, have seen them floating around for a while now, but in a general sense, why has it taken so long for, for quantum dots to, to go to market? You know, what are the what are some of the tech's main drawbacks and how does uh, Osram solution um, address them? Mm -hmm. Yes, I would say the main drawback of quantum dots generally is their sensitivity to the environment. So they are semiconductors, and normally you would think of semiconductors as something being very stable. You know, that's what makes up a lot of the components of everything that we use today. But when you shrink it down to the nanometer size, um, you're essentially dealing with hundreds to thousands of atoms, and so there's a huge surface area to these quantum dots, and that, without any other protection, is pretty sensitive to oxygen and water. Both of those will just oxidize the surface, and typically that oxidation leads to um, a loss of efficiency, so a loss of the re-emission of the quantum dot. Um, so that was sort of the challenge, and the reason why it's taken so long is somebody really had to look at the material and figure out how are we going to protect it in order to have it work in an LED without being affected by oxygen and water. So a typical LED does not have any coating to the top. It doesn't have any protection from the environment. Um, the phosphors are held in place by a silicone, um, which is basically just a glue. It doesn't protect them from anything. And so we really needed to develop a way to protect the quantum dots um, in a pretty harsh environment, the, the light is very intense from the blue LED. Um, they very often have to be tested at high humidity to make sure that they survive in those kinds of environments. So it's kind of a harsh environment. Um, and it took us, um, we started a company in 2011 called Pacific Light Technologies, which was eventually acquired by Osram. And I would say it took a good six years to get the material to a point where it would survive all the testing for an LED. Right, and, and, and speaking of, of Osram's acquisition of Pacific Light Technologies, I, I saw an interesting uh, rhetorical question in, in a blog about that, about that specific acquisition. And, and let, me, let me paraphrase it here. Since, since quantum dots contain cadmium, what's Osram's plan to uh, get around the Rojas uh, Hazardous Materials Directive? Or conversely, is, is their solution already compliant? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. So the solution is compliant. Our quantum dot product has less than 100 ppm of cadmium, which is an incredibly tiny amount. Um, and we're just basically limiting the amount of quantum dot that we add to the packages in order to stay below that 100 ppm threshold. Um, so all of these products are fully compliant, um, and they've been fully tested to make sure that nothing could potentially leach out during operation or after recycling, uh, that sort of thing. Um, 
you know, the material that we're using right now does have cadmium in it because that is the only material that works in this environment. Um, but we're very actively testing other kinds of materials that don't contain cadmium in order to replicate the same behavior with cadmium-free semiconductors. Um, we recently received a grant from the DOE to work in collaboration with um, a partner at Columbia University, and we'll be using that grant to further investigate CAD-free alternatives to our current materials. Okay. Well, very cool. Well, thanks for all the great info, Dr. Curtin. On behalf of uh, PSD, I want to thank you for your time. And to our audience, thanks for tuning in.